Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Jan Bedner joining me today. Jan, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Mike. So Jan is the founder of Shipmonk. He is a TEDx speaker and he works with a lot of companies and businesses and entrepreneurs around fulfillment and logistics and using technology to help us do that. So what I thought we would do, Jan, is start with, with your background, if that's okay. So could you share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. Um, so I was born in the Czech Republic um, in the 90s, so early 90s. Um, I'm, I'm 26 now. And so I grew up, um, you know, in the Czech Republic, kind of in a small town, um, you know, about an hour north of Prague. Um, and growing up in the Czech Republic was kind of interesting because it was right after the uh, revolution, um, you know, when the Czech Republic kind of separated from the Soviet Union. And so, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurship in my young days uh, because there was basically no entrepreneurship before um, 89. And, um, you know, right after when I was growing up, it was pretty much like everybody was starting a business. And, uh, you know, and I was kind of, uh, I was super inspired by that. I, I just, you know, I saw literally every, all my dad's friends, you know, my dad, my parents, everybody was starting a business. And it was, uh, it was just great. You know, I mean, first of all, it was an amazing time to start a business because there was, you know, there were no businesses. Um, but it was just, uh, it was just really inspirational to be around all these people and kind of see what it is to start and run a business. Um, and so I got, you know, I got really motivated to kind of do that myself as well. And um, when I was uh, when I was 16, I had the opportunity to uh, move to the U.S. and uh, play hockey and and, and go to school. Um, and I, so I, I took the chance, and you know I've I've been in the states since then. So it's uh, it's going to be um, I think I have my 10 year anniversary in uh, in a couple months. Um, yeah, and so you know so I went to I went to high school here in the states, um, and I started my first business when I was in high school. Um, it was uh, kind of a um, it's called package forwarding. So I was basically buying products in the States and then shipping them to my friends in the, in Europe, um, and making a little bit of money on the side. And then, you know, as I went into college, I started another business, which was a, a watch distribution company, which was uh, kind of my first failure. Um, you know, I, I, um, overthought things a little bit and I thought, um, you know, I, I basically spent six months, six to 12 months, just, you know, working on that business and really preparing it to, uh, try to make like I, I thought that it has to be perfect before I launched it and you know when I launched it I realized I have nobody that wants to buy the product so that was kind of a hard lesson and, and I realized like hey you know this is not really the way I should be doing business and uh, so you know when I was right by the time I was graduating I, I uh, started um, another business which basically now is Shipmunk although we actually pivoted a little bit eventually but um, yeah and I've been on it ever since so you know it's going to be about four years now and uh and it's been kind of a super exciting journey cool i mean it seems like you you tried to to start the business i mean was was seeing other people doing it was was your motivation to start but after the the kind of the different businesses that that didn't really take off or realize that people didn't really want the products i mean what what kept you going um i think it was just uh you know not given up kind of, uh, attitude. And, and, and I was, you know, I was, I was young, so I didn't really have much to lose. And this is another thing that I talked to, um, talk about in my Ted talk. I think, 
you know, when, when you're young and you're in school, like, you know, if, if you, if you have a business and, you know, you put all of your money into it and, and you, you lose it all, um, you know, you, you still can keep going, right? Like you, you don't really necessarily have people that are depending on you yet. And so, uh, it's just easier to, you know, maybe have a part-time job, make some money and then put them into another venture or, you know, whatever you want to do. And so for me personally, I just, um, I just, you know, I, and I mean, I, I've been reading about it and, and I've been listening to a lot of um, successful entrepreneurs talk and I, you know, pretty much everybody says like, look, it's not a bad thing if the business doesn't work out, you know, the first time and it typically doesn't, right? Like you need to go through a couple of failures before you um, actually make it. And so I've kind of lived by that philosophy and I said, look, if, you know, it's just a, it's just a lesson, you know, and learn. Um, not to do it that way. And then that kept me going and just uh, continue to pursue my dreams. So you had this, this idea of the, <clears throat> the non-giving up attitude. Is that something that you've always had? It's something that you, you probably have to this day, or is it something that was, was trained into you by, by people or by experiences? I mean, where, where do you think that comes from? So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was a, it was a, you know, I think part of it is probably something you're born with. You know, I think it's something that you just, uh, um, you're just kind of, uh, you know, more tolerant to risk and, and you just want to do certain things um, that other people probably wouldn't be comfortable doing. Um, and, you know, the other thing is just, you know, for, for me personally, it was, you know, my dad started a business when I was uh, very young. I was, I was a kid. And, um, you know, he had a, a small transportation company and I was just, uh, you know, I, I just saw him kind of take it from, you know, very beginnings to, you know, where he took a couple of years later and then kind of having that freedom to do what he wants to do, um, I think was really what motivated me to, to start a business as well to really, you know, not just financial freedom, but also just the fact that you don't have to show up at work, you know, at nine in the morning, every single day, like you can you know, go play golf or you can take a trip to the Alps or, you know, whatever you want to do. Like if, if you have the right people that help you run the company, you, you know, you can do that. And uh, compared to if you're in a, in a corporate career, you know, no matter what you, no matter how high you are, uh, you know, you can be the CEO of a huge corporation. You can't just pack up and go for a week without, you know, letting anybody know. Um, it's just, it's just different. So that's probably why. Ah, so it's almost like the, um, <clears throat> the lifestyle of <clears throat> someone that runs their own business is the uh, is, is almost like the, the, the appeal that happened from a, an early age which is quite cool so take us to because <clears throat> you mentioned starting Shipmonk quite um, quite early on in your development obviously you'd started a few businesses but this was reasonably re like recently early when you found something that that kicked off what was the difference between that and the previous businesses um great question so i think you know the one thing that when i was um um when i was in school i um i, I mentioned to you earlier when i was still in high school i started this business of buying stuff here in the states and then shipping them internationally and so and i've been doing that all, you know throughout college and i basically just made a little bit of money over christmas and then during the year it was kind of dead and so when I was graduating, I was like, look, you know, I have two options. I can go find a job or I can try to do this full time and see if I can make anything out of it. 
Um, so I've applied for a couple of business bank competitions and somehow I've gone through them and, and got the first place and got, got some cash and mentors and, and, uh, um, and kind of space to work from. Um, and so that gave me a lot of confidence because it kind of told me like, Hey, this is actually not a bad business. It's, it's, you know, it could actually work. And so, um, I started, you know, working on it full time and really kind of be focused and, and, you know, the business was doing okay. But I think the one thing that, um, I wasn't doing much was really looking at like kind of listening to customers and, 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 and trying to figure out what is it that they actually want. Um, cause we were trying to really sell something that was, you know, uh, that there was a need for, but it just wasn't a huge market, especially with, um, kind of market conditions that were happening at the time. And so, you know, what I really started doing is, uh, well, actually I got approached by a few businesses here uh, in Florida and, you know, they said, Hey, can you, you know, yeah, I see you have a warehouse. I read something about you in the newspapers and, you know, it looks like, you know, what you're doing. Can you store our products for, you know, for us and then ship them to our customers as they sell online so that we don't have to. Um, and I was like, well, that's, you know, not exactly what we do, but um, we'll, you know, why not? And I mean, it's more business for me and it sounds easy enough. So yeah. I got into that business and, uh, and, and, you know, soon enough learned that there's, there's a huge demand for, you know, that specific industry where um, you just really want like the small and medium sized businesses are looking for that fulfillment partner that um, basically manages all of that. So the, the e-commerce entrepreneur have that freedom to travel anywhere that they want and don't really have the overhead of having a warehouse or employees in the warehouse and, and kind of the operational challenges that typically come with it. Right. So you've, <clears throat> you've worked with a lot of people that run their own businesses. You, you probably have <clears throat> a lot of stories to tell regarding people that make it and people that don't. You mentioned listening to customers and then obviously using that to form the, the business or the product or the service. <clears throat> Excuse me. I bit of a, a frog in my throat today. It's been a, it's been happening all day, so apologies to those listening. Having the having that as something that you can take away, you know, the disability to listen to customers or clients before you then go out and create something so that you know that it works. But what what else have you have you noticed when working with these businesses and companies that you can sort of see as a, either a common theme or, or maybe there is um, a particular outlier that, that does really make it and they, they're the only person or only company that has this one thing. What have you noticed when it comes to, to working with different types of businesses? Yeah, so I, you know, I think there's, uh, so we've seen, um, you know, I, I mean, I've seen probably over, you know, 700 to 1000 e-commerce companies uh, kind of, you know, work with us and, and, and see what, what they do right, what they don't do right. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I don't think there's one kind of silver bullet that would be like, okay, this is what you do and you're going to be successful. I mean, it's always a combination of a lot of different things. But, um, you know, from, from my experience, the, uh, you know, the, the number one thing is obviously a product, right? Like you, you need to have a great product um, that is, um, you know, that is something your customers want. And it's something your customers need and it's something unique. So, you know, there's not 50 other people that are selling it, you know, next door. Um, that's probably the first prerequisite. The second, you know, the second that we, that we see is to be an amazing marketer. So, you know, we see a lot of kind of inventors trying to start an e-commerce business and a lot of, um, you know, operations guys and, 
sales guys and you know you can be the best sales guy in the world but if you you know if you don't know anything about online marketing and you're trying to sell it online you know you, you're gonna you're screwed and um so i think i think you know for, for those that want to sell online is just try to study marketing and and you know or, or learn marketing just um you know whether it's social through influencers whether it's um you know just just basic you know ppc or or just facebook ads like whatever it is like i know that the best uh, companies that do well online are uh, firstly amazing marketers because that's you know online that's pretty much what what that's all about um, and third you know you have to be you have to be lean yeah you know don't don't try to hire 50 people and try to like get this company off the ground you know like you can um, I mean we have a couple of customers who are literally a one-man show and you know they do five ten million in sales online and they you know they live in Bali so it's like, you know, you can, uh, there's a lot more you can do with just yourself and outsourcing a lot of these different components of the, of the business compared to, you know, trying to build a huge company and then, and then, you know, kind of, um, cause then again, you're building the overhead and it, it becomes kind of cumbersome. So I think being lean is, is super important in e-commerce as well. That's probably something that not many people either are exposed to or might even think it's possible because just hearing you mention okay we've got a one-man show that's doing five or ten million in in sales it's like well they they seem <clears throat> like the, the almost like the exaggerated part of the scenario or situation or anything like that it seems like very exaggerated you know one person and is is a multimillionaire every single year it seems a bit exaggerated but from from someone that <clears throat> that works with a lot of businesses and a lot of companies i would imagine that you might see more of those than your average person so i quite like the way that you said sometimes being lean is the way to go so how, how do you balance out between doing things yourself <clears throat> and getting to that point or, or deciding to, to hire people and to scale that way is there a particular a point where you make that decision or is it purely based on like what the goals are or the aspirations are of the owner or the ceo what how do you distinguish between what businesses to scale in terms of just the income or just the the growth of the business versus growing it in terms of staff or by other means Sure. I think, um, I think the number one thing that, you know, every entrepreneur needs to understand is, is to understand their own skills and abilities and, and capabilities, um, and be, you know, very critical of themselves. So in other words, you know, when, when you, uh, when you start a business, you kind of, um, some, I mean, some people think they're the best at everything. And then, you know, for them that, <laughs> and that would be kind of hard to ever hire anybody, but, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really important to understand your, your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, for me, for example, when I was starting out, I, you know, I, I knew what my weaknesses are and I knew who I have to hire first to kind of fill in those weaknesses. Um, and, and that's where every business uh, is, is unique because, you know, and, and for example, in e-commerce, um, you know, if, if your strength is not, you know, let's just say product sourcing, you know, you don't necessarily need to hire a product sourcing person because um you know you might not even have the needs to to do it full time or you know it might not be worth it so it might be easier just to find you know either a consultant or a company that specializes in it and you know just pay them a one-time fee just to, to help you source the product and then you can kind of take it from there 
Um, you know, same with whatever it is, finance, copywriting, marketing, right? Like there's, there's ways you can stay lean by not necessarily hiring the people, but uh, just outsourcing it to the right company or, or, uh, or a person. And I'm not, you know, there's definitely certain elements of the business that are not ideal to outsource um, where you, you're not going to get the quality. Um, for example, typically I think marketing is one of them uh, because that's such a core piece of the business that, you know, if you outsource marketing, then what is it that you're actually doing? You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I mean, there's certain parts of marketing that you can outsource, but overall, like it's, it's, you know, e-commerce, like that there, there's core to that business that you should stay strong in and whether that's your strength or where you hire somebody for that, you know, you really want to focus on it. Um, but it, you know, I think a lot of, uh, like people are trying to do way too many things. Um, and then it, it kind of, they get overwhelmed and then they don't really do well. Um, so, you know, I think it's, because it's really hard. That's another thing. It's, it's really hard to find, you know, good people and find them the first time. Um, you know, you're typically going to go through a couple before you find that one that, you know, that's going to be the superstar that's really going to work for you. Um, so, and, you know, and I'm also, I'm not really preaching to, to never hire people. Right. Like I think, I think it's, it works. Um, I think this, this one customer of ours is a pretty unique example of it, but I mean, you know, even, um, even five, 10 people for, for a $10 million company is pretty lean. And so I think, you know, just kind of having that mindset of like, okay, you know, is this my strength? Um, if yes, you know, do I want to do it or do I want to hire somebody for it? Um, and then if it's not my strength, you know, is it worth it for me to hire a full-time person for that job? Or should I try to find kind of a, a consultant or an outside help, somebody that, you know, uh, is going to be a little more expensive, but I might not have the need to have them full-time. So that's kind of the thought. Yeah, that, that sort of makes sense because then it's it's almost like it doesn't matter whether you're good at it or not. It's about how much time are you having to dedicate to that thing in order to, to make it happen. Because you, you could be amazing at something that might take you 10, 20 hours a week. But if you want that time for something else, then it seems natural to either try to automate it or hire someone else that can do it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's um, a purely strengths and weaknesses type thing. It's almost like return on investment or... Yeah, prior, yeah prioritization. I mean, I think yeah. it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all about, you know, when you're running the company, I mean, at the same, at, at one point, it's all about delegation and prioritization, right? Like figuring out what the, um, how to do that. Yeah, and it, it also comes across, at least to me, that it's got to be a case-by-case -case basis. Like, it seems very hard to just go, okay, once you've got to, to this amount or once your your plate is at this point, then you need to delegate some of it. You need to automate some of it. I think I think everyone needs to <clears throat> to go off what, what they think's right or what they think's best for themselves. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people out there that will hire or that will automate or delegate as much as possible because they want to be hands-off. Like it's part of their part of their ambition, I guess, to have a lot of their business that's that's more passive as opposed to like really hands-on. And then there are some people that prefer the hands-on. So they would rather not hire anybody apart from the things that they're not so good at. Everything that they're good at, that they enjoy, they can do that themselves and they don't need to hire it. I, I think it very is much on a case-by-case -case basis for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So where, where did you go from here then? So once you, once you launched Shipmunk and you started to maybe understand what your strengths and weaknesses were maybe, or what was the, the first six or 12 months like once you started? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the first 12 months, I think, for any business are probably going to be the hardest of, of the entire, um, uh, you know, kind of business life. And so, you know, when I started, I was, I was really lucky because I got, um, I was part of an accelerator program that um, gave me money, uh, gave me mentoring from, you know, a lot of people that have been in business for a long time and have had a lot of experience. And, um, and, and all, they also gave me a, a free warehouse space for a year, which was amazing. Um, and so, you know, what's, what really happened was that, you know, I kind of, I started with that package forwarding business and I was doing it for about four or five months. And then we got approached by a couple of customers kind of pivoted to where it started offering order fulfillment. And, um, you know, and then we, um, we kind of realized like, okay, what do we need to do to be the best order fulfillment company in the world? Um, you know, what are some of the things that we need to do to be able to be better than everybody else? And, you know, the first thing that came to mind right away was technology. Um, because most of our competitors, uh, logistics companies are not very good at technology and they're very old school. They do things manually. They, you know, import, export files and through FTPs. And it's just, you know, really kind of not the way that modern e-commerce companies operate. And so we say, okay, let's build a platform that's going to completely automate that fulfillment process and you know, um, offer an amazing service. And with a combination of those two things, we can really do it. Um, and so we kind of embarked on that journey. And that's what, you know, we, we had our kind of a, let's just say a five-year goal of, you know, becoming the, the, you know, the most innovative and the best fulfillment company for small and medium-sized businesses. And, you know, we started doing kind of everything to get towards that goal. Um, and so, you know, my first hire was uh, a CTO or it was a, well, he really wasn't a CTO when I hired him. He was a, a developer. Um, he is now a CTO, but, um, you know, he was, he was the guy that really started designing and, and, and architecting the platform to figure out how it's going to look like. And, and, you know, it was starting to build a prototype and, um, you know, then eventually we hired, cause once we had that platform, we need to bring customers. in. so we hired a salesperson. Uh, who's now our VP of sales and then a marketing person who is now uh, our chief marketing officer and, um, you know, just brought these kind of the core team in and, you know, all these guys, by the way, has, you know, they've been with us uh, since the beginning and they're still with us today. Um, and so, you know, we've built that kind of the core team and, and, and just started growing it exponentially from there, um, you know, one step at a time. And we've, you know, gone through a lot of growing pains. We um, grew too quickly, couldn't really handle, some of the volume. And so we had to scale down a little bit and kind of, you know, improve certain parts of the business. And then it's just kind of been growing up from there. So it's been, you know, it's been a, it's been a fun journey since then. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you went the, the staff route. I mean, was that a decision that, that you made yourself or was that something that sort of happened that you needed to do? I mean, what was the, uh, the thought process like behind that? Yeah. So I'm, you know, unfortunately in the business that I'm in, uh, there's not really, uh, an easy way to um, not hire people. <laughs> in, in, in other words, you know, there's like in e-commerce, um, there's, you can be extremely lean, right? Like you can literally be one person and, and run a business that does a couple million sales. In the business that I am in, because you're handling physical products, because you have warehouses, because you, you know, need to have people in those warehouses, you can really run as lean as, um, um, as with e-commerce, for example. And so, 
you know, although we are, we've always been extremely frugal and we bootstrap the business. Uh, we've never raised money. And so we, you know, we, we always, we, we never spend more money than we made. Uh, Cause obviously that's kind of a bad, uh, you know, it's a basic math problem, but most people still don't get it right. But we, um, you know, when we were still um, kind of in the early stages, one of our key philosophies was let's be lean. And so, although I hired these four guys, like that was, you know, from, from my standpoint, that, that was nothing I could have done to, you know, it was already getting bigger where I could have not handled those um, roles myself. Um, and so, it, you know, I, I really didn't really have a choice. And, but we still like, you know, compared to, if I compare myself to another competitor, um, we're extremely lean because we use a lot of technology to offset some of the, I would say, manual things that a lot of, you know, humans or employees would typically do. So, um, although we do have a lot of people now, I think we're still very lean compared to kind of a typical logistics company. Yeah, that would, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, just from the things that you've said, I mean, I, I think technology is going <clears> to <throat> change quite a lot in terms of businesses and industry and things. Where, where do you see technology going in terms of your business? And then maybe you could even broaden it out as business as a whole if you wanted to. I, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Can you, can you say that one more time? Yeah, sure. So, how 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 do you see technology um, impacting your business, maybe in the future, and also you could maybe broaden it out to business as a whole in terms of how technology has, has impacted businesses. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know dramatically, uh, it's it's done a phenomenal job for us because I think if if you use technology the right way, it can really give you the competitive edge and uh, and and push you in front of your competitors, even if they've been around for 30, 40 years. I mean, that's exactly what's happened to us, right? We came into an old school industry where technology was not as important as, you know, experience, for example. And, uh, you know, we kind of changed that. We, you know, we, we really took technology and we built it for our purpose. And, and, you know, we started taking customers from people that have been in business for 40 years, but we've just had better technology and made people's life easier. And, and so we won the business and, you know, there's literally, you can literally find every single business category where technology is just not being used the right way by companies. And, you know, you, if, if you were technology savvy, you can kind of think outside the box, figure out what um, the use of technology might be for that specific space and, and kind of do the same thing we did, you know, just, just change the industry by doing things differently. Um, and, you know, you can do it like in our case, we're, you know, a combination of a technology and a service company. So, you know, we do, we do provide service through technology, but you know, there's obviously a lot of, you can just do a software company or you can do what we did. Um, but I think technology in general, and, and, and it's going to happen even more in the future with, um, automation, you know, automation and, and robotics and kind of bringing, um, you know, a lot of tasks that are being performed or have been being, you know, performed by humans for the longest time are now going to be, you know, taken over by computers and robots. And, you know, we see it in, in the warehouse industry. I mean, there's so many tasks that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at replacing humans with, uh, machines and it, you know, it, it's just, um, it's just the way it is. And so I think it's just really important to look at, um, you know, what, what can technology do for you and your business and, and kind of try to stay on that cutting edge of, of, you know, don't, like, don't be afraid to innovate in a way, like just try to try to go for it and, uh, and see what it can do. Because typically I, we've seen it do, you know, incredible things. Yeah, it seems like there's this technology everywhere. I mean, I found <clears throat> just just the other day, really, where 
you can do like bulk text text messages now, and you can set up processes that <clears throat> that automate themselves. Like it's it's crazy. It's almost amazing to to find something that improves whether it be your efficiency or the speed at which you can do things it's getting quite <clears throat> it's getting quite fast now like it's <clears throat> it's almost everywhere it's almost everywhere that you see where technology is stepping in someone creates something that completely changes the game it completely changes everything about <clears throat> the way that you can run your business but how do you actually find those things? I'd imagine apps and software <clears throat> is being created all the time. How do you actually find the things that you're looking for and how do you keep on top of it and keep ahead? Well, I think, I mean, from, from my standpoint, I mean, you can always use what's out there um, and, and kind of, you know, and that's, I mean, that's quite honestly pretty challenging because there's so many things out there that, you know, and, and typically you need those things to work together. So, um, you know, that in itself is a whole, you know, is a role in a company or as a, a, a full-time person just to kind of figure out like, okay, what's the technology we can use um, to make our business easier. But I think there's a lot of like, from my standpoint, the power of technology is to create it. Um, so, you know, to, to really look at what your business needs are and kind of draft down and say, okay, in an ideal world, if, you know, I can automate this process through, uh, a, you know, a, an app or a pro, you know, a process that where the technology automates it, then I would just say, just build it yourself because then, you know, not necessarily yourself unless you're a programmer, but, um, you know, hire a developer and, and, and have them build it for you because that's going to put you, uh, you know, in front of everybody else who's just using the stuff that's available for everyone. So, you know, and that's kind of what makes you unique and that's what, you know, is going to help you be your competitors because you're going to have something that nobody else has. And, you know, if you, if you're just going to use tools that are out there, I mean, everybody can do that, but, um, you know, if you build it yourself, then nobody else is going to have it. And that's kind of what we did. We, you know, nobody else had a, an amazing software for e-commerce fulfillment. And so we just built it. Um, and, you know, we could have gone and we actually did that the first year, you know, we went with kind of an existing solution and it sucked, you know, it was, it was just really it just wasn't really doing what we wanted it to do because we couldn't customize it to our needs. And, and so, you know, making that decision of building our own platform was the best decision that we ever made. And I think that's, you know, that applies for everybody uh, in, in any industry. I mean, you obviously have to understand whether, you know, it's going to help you bring in more customers or going to retain customers better, um, you know, cause it's not a fit for every business, but um, you know, overall, like if, you know, if your core, if that technology can help you increase your top or bottom line, um, I would say just build it yourself and, 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 you know, make that different about you. I quite like the way that you, you went in and said, okay, well, if you build it, then you're, you're instantly ahead of people that could be using things that are already out there and yours then becomes more, more personalized, but potentially more effective as well. So I quite like that. I like the, the way that you went down there of, <clears throat> if it's not there, then, then go and build it. <laughs> if it's not, then just, yeah. go and, just go and build it yourself and, and use it and benefit from it. So what, what advice would you give to someone that used that is where you used to be so someone might have started a few businesses might have failed a few times they might be <clears throat> they might be looking for that one thing that they actually want to do they're looking for that one thing that will change everything for them 
did you actually go through a particular process or maybe you asked yourself a couple of the questions, spoke to some people, whatever the case is, what was the, the process like for you for, for making decisions and finding that one thing that now becomes something that you do on a full-time basis? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the number one thing is definitely to keep going because, you know, it's it, it, just because it didn't work out three times doesn't mean it's not going to work out, you know, for the fourth time. And if you look at, you know, um, I mean, the top t- 10 richest people in the world, you know, most of them have, it's not their first business, right? Like they've started and failed businesses before and, and you know, that could be used. So I think the, the number one thing is just, just don't give up. Um, and I think the business live or, or the entrepreneur's live is, Kind of like if you look at a, a you know a labyrinth and uh, and you put a mouse in it, right? Like you know the mouse is going to go into a dead end and then it's going to come back from it and going to try a different route. Uh, you know if, if there's another dead end, it's going to come back and it's going to keep going until it finds that center of the labyrinth. And so I think you know the business life is exactly like that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of dead ends um, where things are just not going to work. Um, but then you eventually find that one route that, you know, is going to show you what, um, what you're really meant to do. And, you know, and it's, it's a combination of luck and timing and, um, you know, having the right people around you, um, to make that successful. So, you know, I don't think there's one kind of formula that would just say like, okay, do this and that and that, and you're going to be successful. But I would just say like, you know, never go all in, like never just put all of your money in one business like just kind of try to do it as frugal as possible so try to spend as little money test out the idea see if people buy it you know see if people want it and then if they do and you do see customers then put more money into it right like you don't have to have the perfect product to understand whether people want it right like if you have um uh you know an okay product um, and people want it then you're going to know that if you have a perfect product people are going to want it even more but the worst thing you can do is just like spend you know what i did with the watch business, spent a year trying to, you know, develop the perfect marketing strategy and the product and, you know, everything like that. And then go to market and realize nobody wants to buy it. So, you know, I think it's just important to um, be very mindful of, you know, the money you spend and, and, and kind of like talk to your customers and, and figure out, uh, make sure they want the product. I think that's just the number one thing. It seems like the, um, the idea of, of going all in and this huge commitment, it's something that a lot of people have been talking about. It's something that seems to be everywhere. You know, the idea of hustling and really committing to something and going all in and almost sacrificing quite a lot for the actual success that you want or might want. And well, what you said there is, you know, sometimes you just got to test it before you do that like if if you know that you've got customers because you listen to them maybe you've got something that actually solves a problem for them then it feels like it's easier to make that leap almost it seems like doing the the due diligence beforehand is something that saves you a lot of hard take down the line yeah for sure and i you know i mean there's 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 going all in and then there's going all in right like i think there's mentally um you know you definitely have to go all in like you you have to be dedicated you have to um you know be be ready to to kind of do it but um there's also going all in kind of financially and 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 um and you know putting your you know kind of your livelihood at risk for a business that might not work out because 
um, you know, statistically, most businesses don't work out, right? So I think it's, it's, it's better to just be careful with how you spend the money and, and, and kind of try to spend as little as possible to get the most results. Um, because, you know, if you have a great business idea, there's some businesses where you can't really, you know, just launch it without actually having the, you know, putting the money into it. But most businesses, you can just, you can kind of start them organically through spending just a little bit of money and testing the market and see if, you know, you get that feedback that you're looking for. And if so, then, you know, next time you just put a little more and then a little more until you get to a point where you feel comfortable putting a lot more in, right? Um, but what I'm not a big fan of is, you know, seeing people that put their entire life savings into developing a website or an app um, that they think is going to work, but then, you know, they launch it and they realize they have no customers, they don't know how to sell it, and they're out of money. Um, and then they have to shut it down and then they have to, you know, go work at McDonald's because they, you know, just have no more money. Uh, and so it's just like, you know, I, I think it's just being smart about how you spend the money and, and just kind of going slower. Um, you know, don't, um, that's another thing I think that people a lot of time expect is like they want to succeed super fast and super quickly and, you know, nothing happens overnight. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of kind of um, entrepreneurs, celebrities are selling is that like, you know, you, you like the overnight success story, right? But I don't think that even exists. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's tens of years or, or years at least of hard work behind every success story. And so, you know, don't think that like, you know, if you're not doing great in three, four months, that it's, uh, it's a bad thing. I think it just takes time to, um, you know, to be successful. It doesn't really happen overnight ever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's something that you hear quite a bit. I mean, when I, did a little bit of, of digging it's almost like a lot of people spend the majority of their time time trying to reduce the the amount of risk that's involved with making the decision like the the drop if it doesn't work out isn't so big like you hear the story of Richard Branson organizing a contract with Boeing to give the planes back if his airline didn't work out and all of these little things that a lot of people do and you hear a lot of investors that try to mitigate the downside quite a lot so that they can risk a little bit or they can take the action that they want to take because the actual risk is different from maybe how the risk is actually perceived sometimes so what did you do to reduce the level of risk that you had when making the, the maybe initial decision to start the businesses but also all those big decisions along the way so, I mean, I think for me, it was, you know, because we've never raised money, uh, I kind of lived by that philosophy uh, and I was raised in that philosophy too. So I think that probably helped me as well. It was like, okay, you can't spend more money than you have. And so, you know, if I know that, I'm, you know, my, my net profit is $1,000 a month, I know that I can go and, and, you know, hire somebody for $2,000 a month because then I'm losing money. Um, and I can only do that for so long until I run out of money. And so, you know, those are kind of some of the things that, um, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's the most basic math is like, okay, you can outspend more than you make, but, um, you know, most people still don't get that right. And so I, what I did from the beginning was I, I didn't hire a new person until I knew I can afford them. You know, I didn't, I mean, I could have, you know, I could have taken the risk and I probably could have, you know, hired them for three, four months and kind of take the risk of, of doing it. But, but I didn't, I, you know, I first made sure that I'm making enough money to be able to, to afford the next person. And then, I hired him, right? And I wasn't really making any money myself. I was just kind of going all in, just kind of living off of, you know, what I could. But, um, 
you know, but, but I always made that next step, that next investment, you know, at the time that I could afford it. I never took more risk than was necessary. And, um, you know, I, and I think there's a downside because of that. And then there's an upside, right? The, the upside is I, you know, we, um, we were safe. Um, there were never, you know, there was never a risk that we're going to yeah, run out of money because we we're always profitable. But the downside was, you know, if we did take more risk and we did spend more money than we made and it would have worked out, we could have grown faster. Um, but I was comfortable with the growth that we had. And so I didn't really have to go through uh, kind of taking too much risk to do that. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. How did you distinguish between what was necessary and what wasn't necessary? So a lot of people, I'm sure, will have different goalposts for that. They'll have different processes or you know, just a, a different way of analyzing certain situations. But what was yours? I mean, how, how did you know the risk was necessary versus how did you think, mm, I probably shouldn't do that? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think everybody has kind of a different look at things uh, in terms of what's necessary and what's not necessary. And, you know, you as a founder, like if you, you know, if you hire people and you're going to be frugal or, or, you know, cheap or whatever you want to call it, I think, you know, you might have, I mean, people, you know, the, the people that are going to work for you are not going to understand why you don't, you know, buy certain things or why you're, uh, you know, going around the office and shutting lights off to save on, on electricity or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, in the beginning, you, you know, you really should try to do, um, try to eliminate any unnecessary expense. So I kind of, you know, my personal rule is, is like, okay, is this helping us grow? Um, or is, is this saving us money? And so, you know, when we're buying a new tool, uh, for example, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know, 30 bucks a month, a user, um, you know, what I look at is like, okay, is this something that, I mean, I'm, I still do that today, by the way, um, you know, for, for anything we do is, um, is like, okay, do you, you know, is this really a tool that we need? Is this tool that's bringing us more customers or is it a tool that's making us more efficient, therefore saving us money? Um, and that's kind of the, you know, the decision-making process. I mean, I don't try to overthink it, but, you know, overall, I, I think that's what um, everybody should do. Like, you know, when you're buying a, a $1,500 office desk, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this office desk going to help me bring in more customers? Um, the answer is probably not, right? So um, I think it's, it's important to understand, okay, this is money well spent and this is kind of just me being stupid and buying things I don't need. And, you know, like once, and again, it's like once you make enough money and you, you know, you, you, you're making a huge profits and you can take money for yourself, then you can buy whatever you want. But I think it's important in the beginning, every dollar counts and it's just super important to put it in things that really matter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just kind of reiterates or reinforces what we said before that it is on a case by case basis. It is on a person by person basis. It is on a business by business basis. Like you mentioned that sometimes depending on your industry, like for yourself, you had to hire people and you got to a certain point that like there's only so far you can go when systems and technology is, it's almost like it's not going to make as much of a dent as hiring someone might actually make you know sometimes just hiring someone would be enough based on the industry that that, that you're in where someone else might just maybe build something as you mentioned before if it's not there just build it yourself someone might just need to build something that takes all the edge off 
like they've only got to do so much, but the technology takes care of the rest. So I think it is on a, a case by case basis. I mean, yeah, just from what you said, that would be the, the main take home for me at least. Have you got any particular resources or uh, these can be books that you'd recommend, maybe your, your favorite books, maybe certain apps that you found quite helpful or different softwares and things? I mean, where, where, where could people, where could people find the, the best stuff or things that you'd recommend? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things we, uh, um, if, you know, if people go on shipmong.com and click go through our blog, we, uh, we share a lot of things that, you know, not just um, industry related, but also what's worked for us in our business. So, you know, we share our technology stack and um, some of the apps that we use, you know, from Slack, Asana, um, through Segment, you know, um, through Autopilot and a lot of the different marketing and sales and automation kind of tools and communication tools that we use within the company that have really helped us um, get to the next level. Um, you know, in, in terms of, um, um, I, you know, I try to, um, I, I, I do try to read, um, although I, I'm not extremely, um, I just don't really have that much time. Unfortunately, I haven't had that much time to, to read lately, but, um, you know, there's tons of great entrepreneurship books out there. And, you know, again, I think the important thing is to, to understand what your weakness is and try to educate yourself through books or YouTube videos or, or podcasts or whatever it is that focuses on that specific topic. I mean, that's helped me tremendously. Um, and, you know, and, and then uh, just try to find, um, you know, an accelerator program or a, a, an incubator program in your town or in your area and just go there and hang out and talk to people and, you know, see who you can find, who can help you. Because I think collaborating, you know, I think the worst thing entrepreneurs can do is kind of lock themselves in their house and then just like start this business by themselves without ever talking to anybody. Um, you know, it's like, it's important to kind of go out there and talk to people and network and, you know, cause you never know who you're going to meet, who can introduce you to somebody who's going to completely change your business overnight. And so uh, I think it's important to kind of get yourself out there and, and, you know, just talk to people. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, last couple of questions for you. Um, I appreciate you making the time to come on the show um where can people go if they want to find out a bit more about you so this is your chance to share websites or social media or any of those kinds of things so where can people go sure so uh if you you know if you want to learn more about me i mean i um, i'm on instagram uh jan underscore and underscore shipmunk um i'm also on facebook uh, just j-a-n bednar b-e-d-n-a-r um and, you know, definitely our website, uh, shipmong.com, S-H-I-P-M-O-N-K.com. Uh, we put a lot of cool stuff on the blog, um, you know, and obviously if anybody needs um, um, anything regarding, you know, e-commerce fulfillment or, or just a general business advice, I'm, um, I'm available on my email as well, which is uh, J-A-N at shipmong.com. So, um, yeah, happy. Um, thanks again for having me, Mike. I really enjoy the show. No worries. We've got one one last question for you. I ask all the guests this. So we've had everything from funny to serious. So we don't have to talk about what we've talked about so far. We can, we can go completely off topic if you want to. And the last question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, what would I like the world to know about me? I think I would like the, um, you know, maybe just the uh, kind of some of the, some of the fun 
traveling, uh, you know, stories and experiences that I have. Um, or, uh, you know, I, I try to, I do a lot of extreme sports and, and, um, you know, I just came back from heli skiing from Canada last week and, um, and I don't really, I'm not very good at, uh, sharing those, uh, you know, on social media or in, and just in general. And so, um, maybe that's the one thing that I would like people to know about me is that, you know, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie and do a lot of fun stuff and, uh, get really excited doing it. I imagine it being hard to hold the camera while you're doing that, though, to be honest, John. It sounds like the, the kind of thing someone else would have to record <laughs> or take the picture while you're doing. True. That's, that's, yeah, that's true. That's why you got to bring friends with cameras. So, yeah. <laughs> Always, yeah. All right, John. Well, thanks for being a guest on the show. I appreciate you carving out the time, and uh, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. All right, perfect. Thanks, Mike.